All right. Well, in our journey through the 12 prophets in the Old Testament that we normally call minor prophets, we've come to Amos today. If you were in Bible class, you've already gotten to know Amos a little bit. We'll try to shed a little more light on this prophet and his message to the people of God. Um, Amos, if he's famous, Amos is famous for anything, it's for the visions that he saw, the, the times that God gave him visuals so that he could see what was about to happen to the people of God. Uh, he showed him a plague of locusts on the way. He showed him wildfire. Uh, he showed him a plumb line. Uh, you carpenters out there, you know, you hang a plumb line to see if something's straight. And he said, you compare the people of God to my plumb line, and they're not straight. Uh, then this uh, that we're about to read, he shows him a basket full of ripe, luscious summer fruit. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the Word of God, as he gave it to his faithful prophet Amos. This is what the Lord God showed me, a basket of summer fruit. He said, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, the end has come upon my people Israel. I will never again pass them by. Now, I want to stop right there and explain that pass them by means I won't come help them again. And you might remember there's a story we misinterpreted in the New Testament quite a bit where Jesus was walking on the water and the disciples were in the boat and it said that he intended to pass them by. And we also say, well, he was just going to go by them. No, no, no. He was coming to help them. All right. That, so God is not going to help his people, Israel, anymore. The songs of the temple shall become wailings in that day, says the Lord God. The dead bodies will be many, cast out in every place. Be silent. Hear this, you who trample on the needy and bring to ruin the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over? so that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath, so that we may offer wheat for sale. We will make the ephah small and the shekel great, and practice deceit with false balances, buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, and selling the sweepings of the wheat. Verse 11, the time is surely coming, says the Lord God. When I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. The word of God. Amos, Amos, Amos. To say the least, Amos attracted attention everywhere he went. Amos was a country boy from the south, out preaching in the streets of the big fancy city in the north. And you can imagine as he called out from the street side, the wealthy people sitting on their marble terraces, sipping their wine, discussing the price of commodities and the difficulties of finding good domestic help trading out the names of their hairstylists, trading out the names of their tailors, and deciding where they're going to dine that night. 
as they look down and see this country bumpkin dressed in his boots, his faded jeans, his sweat-stained work shirt, wearing a feed store gimme cap, calling out, hear the name in the name of the Lord, listen to the word of the Lord. Now, I have to admit, or we've discovered, that when Amos began, he was such an oddity that the people kind of seemed to be drawn to him in a way. He was kind of like the, the current diversion, his 15 minutes of fame. And as he began preaching, you know, the people started listening because he said, you know those miserable low-down varmints up there in Damascus? Well, because they've given God's people fits, God is going to get them, but good. And you go, sounds pretty good to us. And then he would say, you know the scoundrels down there in Gaza, because they bushwhack God's people, God is going to whoop up on them. And now he starts getting a few amens. Preach on, brother. So he continues. And those rats in Tyre and those low-down Edomites and the Ammonites and the Moabites, boy, are they going to get it. And when you think that maybe he couldn't do even any better, he gives them what they're really listening for. He says, and as for Judah. Now remember, Amos is from Judah. He's up in Israel. Israel and Judah had one been one nation under Saul and David and Solomon, but they had since split into two. And boy, did they ever have a sibling rivalry. They had even had wars with each other. And you couldn't bring in, do anything that would bring a smile faster to someone in Israel than to tell them something bad about Judah. So he said, let me tell you what's going to happen to Judah. So they lean in and listen, and he says, God will destroy Judah with fire and devour the strongholds of Jerusalem. And wow, you know, the people were saying, you know, this guy may be a little strange, but boy, can he preach. The problem was... He didn't know when to stop. You know how we preachers are. Okay, that's enough. And we just keep talking. Well, Amos kept talking. And he said, as for you, Israel. And a hush came over the crowd. He said, God is going to smash you flatter than a pancake. You're going to feel like you've been run over by a Mack truck. And even the bravest and the strongest of you are going to run off wounded and naked into the hills. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, what brought that on? After all, weren't things going pretty good in Israel? If you know the time, the economy was booming I mean, people had summer houses and winter houses. Some of the people had even built houses out of ivory. There had never, since the days of Solomon, been a time when things were so good. And and the military was strong. They were able to expand the borders of their country. And besides all of that, church attendance was at all-time record high. What are you talking about, Amos? What are you saying that there's something wrong with us? You need to get out of here. 
In fact, they even sent the head priest guy named Amaziah out to tell him just that. He said, Amos, you need to pack up your traveling show and go back home. You know, you're out of your league here. Go back and preach to those country folks down in Judah. Maybe they like that kind of preaching. But after all, this is sophisticated, well-heeled Israel where things are going good. Now, if you've read Amos, you know what his reply was. It's rather well known. He said this. Well, I tell you, I'm no prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet. I'm just a rancher and a tree pruner. But the Lord called me from taking care of my animals. And the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. Now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. Needless to say, Amos' preaching uh, stint was kind of (laughs) short. He didn't stay a preacher very long. But wow, the things he said and the stir he caused while he did that. And what was his message to Israel? What did he tell these people who were satisfied with their lives and thought things were going pretty well? Well, there's several places in Amos we could turn to to see that message. I chose chapter 8. Because I love that opening vision of the summer fruit. Now, what is the deal about God showing Amos a basket full of ripe, luscious summer fruit? Now, try to visualize that yourself. I don't know that God is going to lower one through the ceiling here like he did for Amos. But you just visualize what would that look like here in West Texas? Nice, summer, ripe, cool, juicy, sweet fruit. What would be in there? Peaches? Maybe some plums? Apricots. Thank you. I love apricots. Yeah. Maybe throw in a few bananas from H-E-B, you know, and and say, wow, that looks good. That looks good. Israel was looking good. That summer fruit looked good. But the problem with nice, ripe fruit is that it is one day away from being rotten. It is one day away from being thrown away. One of my sons sent my father-in-law a birthday card this past July. It said, being one day older is no big deal unless you're a banana. We've all seen that nice yellow banana sitting there, and you think, I'm going to eat that tomorrow, and then you go back to eat it, and it's black and squishy and yucky. In fact, God even uses a little pun here as he's telling this story or showing this fruit. He says, you know what? This summer fruit, and the word for summer fruit in Hebrew is kayats. He said, this shows you that the end... And the word end is kets, is almost here. Because nice, ripe fruit means that it's almost over. Well, why is that? Why is God telling them that it's almost over? Why is that such an important message? And what has brought about the end? Well, in the sermon that follows, 
Amos tells them. In the sermon, he acknowledges that they do like to go to worship. They do like to go to church. But he asks them a very important question. He said, when you go to church, where is your heart? What have you been thinking about during worship? What is going on in your mind while you are supposedly there in order to praise God? As we go ahead and read his sermon, he says, I know what you're thinking. You're sitting there going, when is this going to be over? Confession time. (laughs) When is this going to be over? I've got things to do. I'm going to do this this afternoon. I'm going to do this tomorrow. Next week, I've got to do this and this and this. We need for all of this to just be over. Amos goes on to say is, you are so consumed by your business pursuits and by your daily activities that you cannot put aside even an hour to glorify and worship and lift up the name of the Lord. You have become producers, merchants, and consumers 24-7. When are you going to be the people of God? Where does that fit in? Where is that time when he gets your undivided attention? Where is that time when he gets your love and your praise? You come to worship, but you don't worship. And this reminds us of probably his most famous sermon back in chapter 5, where God has said, I hate and despise your festivals. I take no delight when you gather in your solemn assemblies. Even though you come, you don't really pay attention to what's going on. Take away from me the noise of your songs, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Now, it's interesting that he pairs those two things together. He pairs together their inability to worship and their disregard for the people around them. You remember when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment is? We talk about that a lot here at Johnson Street. He gave the answer, didn't he? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But he also said there's a second commandment that's closely tied to that. In fact, it's really the same commandment. It's kind of like the two sides of one coin. Love God with all of your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And when you do one, you'll be doing the other. When you do this one, you'll be doing that one. Well, Amos is telling us the same thing in the negative. He says, if you don't know how to glorify God, then you don't know how to treat your fellow human being. To undeify God leads to dehumanizing people. If we don't have times in our lives at least where we set aside some moments where our heart is totally given to raising up the name of God and giving Him praise and glory, then we will leave that assembly and go out and treat people as objects rather than beings made in the image of God. He goes ahead and gives examples here. He says, you know what you're thinking about and what you're planning to do? And he goes ahead and he tells people, he says, what you're trying to do is you, you're going to go out there and you're going to, you're going to uh, get 
what you can get for as little as you can get it without really caring about what's going on with the people you're getting it from. You're going to make the measure of the the wheat you sell small, but you're going to charge the highest price that you can for it. You're going to buy the poor with silver and you're going to give the needies, you're going to give, you're going to give the needy people a pair of sandals and say, go be warmed and filled. Yes, things are going well for you. But have you noticed that the rich are getting richer at the expense of the poor getting poorer? Have you noticed that? He tells the people of Israel. Do you not care anything about the people who lose in order for you to gain? You see, God does care. God does care when an employer will work an employee one hour short of full time so that that employer does not have to pay benefits and give that family what it needs. God cares when an employer will pay the lowest wage possible, knowing that no one can really live on that, but that's their problem. He's got his bottom line to think about. He's got his own profits to care about. God cares when a landlord refuses to make repairs to the rental property, but will raise the rent because the market will bear it. God cares when a CEO accepts millions of dollars in bonus, even though he's laid off a thousand workers during the year. He cares. Amos came to Israel to give them that message. Hear the word of the Lord. Every time I think about Amos, I think about an incident. And like I told first service, I really wrestled in sharing this, but I think I will anyway. I did then, might as well. I remember talking with a man who was very wealthy, came to church all the time. And he was an older man and owned a lot of rent property. I would guess 50 to 60 houses he owned. And as he was getting older and his health wasn't so good anymore, he had decided at the urging of his children to get rid of some of that rent property because he didn't really have time to oversee it anymore. So he was in the process of selling off some of the rent houses that he had. And he came to me one day and just to sit down and drink coffee. And he said, you know, so I just got through talking to Jose. Now, I didn't know Jose. So I just got through talking to Jose and it just breaks my heart. I said, well, what's going on with Jose? And he said, well, Jose has rented one of my houses for 25 or 30 years. But I've decided to sell it. And I went by and told him that he was welcome to buy it. But, you know, he can't afford it. So I've asked him to leave. He said, you know, the strange thing is that since he's rented it from me so long, he's really paid me for that house two or three times over. But Jose was out. Not one thought ever came across his mind. I can afford to give him that house. But it was a legal thing to do. It was a business decision. Did it matter that it was morally and ethically wrong? God cares whenever we pad an expense account. God cares when we underreport our income. God cares whenever we go through this life 
just trying to get by. We, we don't give an employer a full day's work for a full day's wage. God cares when we undermine our employer with gossip. God cares when we go about seeking to undermine our fellow employees. Did you know, have you stopped to think, that there are more verses in the Bible that condemn gossip than there are that condemn stealing and fornication? God cares about how we treat one another. And he tells us, that our mistreatment of one another begins when we don't know how to treat Him as God. When we undeify God, we take the first step in dehumanizing our fellow man. Well, what would be the result of all of this? Amos told them what the result was going to be. And it wasn't so much, I don't think, that God was going to punish them and make up some kind of a punishment because of the way they had acted. It's more like a parent telling a child what the logical consequences of their behavior are. You know, as parents, we often warn our kids, don't do that. And it's, don't, that's not don't do that or I will punish you. It's don't do that because it's going to hurt you. Don't do that because of where that leads. Don't do that because you're destroying your future. And Amos says, here's what's going to happen if you don't learn how to honor God as God and treat your fellow human beings with respect and honor. There's going to be a famine in the land, but it's not a famine of food or water. It'll be a famine of the Word of God. Sometime in your life, You're going to turn around and go, I need to get closer to God. Sometime in your life, you're going to ask the question, where is God? He seems so far away. And you're going to go looking for him, and you won't be able to find him. Because you never learned how to worship him. And because of the way you treated the ones he loves the most. Now, I don't know what you came here today expecting to hear. (laughs) You, You may have wanted to come hearing a word of comfort and peace and So oftentimes, that's the word that we speak here because those two are words of the gospel. But today, we came to worship and ran smack dab into Amos. And Amos asked us a question. How has this last hour gone for you? Where has your heart been? Have you really exalted the name of God so that you may leave this place and go out and treat His creation with human kindness. Now, if you don't like the answer that you give to that question, Amos has a word for you. Hear the word of the Lord. Let's stand and sing.